This is Sunday's Psychedelic Spirit with Aaron Akulis, brought to you by the Peace on Drugs podcast. From the song Revenge by Sparkle Horse with Wayne Coyne. In my mind, I have shot you and stabbed you through the heart. I just didn't understand. The ricochet is the second part. You can't hide what you intend. It glows in the dark. Once you've sought the path of revenge, there's no way to stop. And the more I try to hurt you, the more it hurts me. Okay, so that was another lyrical quote by Wayne Coyne. He's one of my favorites. He's the singer of the Flaming Lips. Um, There's some thunder going on outside. You'll hear a little bit of that. I love these uh, summer thunderstorms here in Florida. So, um, so yeah, that was a quote from Wayne Coyne from the uh, Flaming Lips, though that wasn't from the Flaming Lips. That was from a collaboration he did with the band Sparkle Horse, who lost their singer. So that last line, the more I try to hurt you, the more it hurts me. It's an adaptation of sorts of the quote commonly attributed to Nelson Mandela. Uh, he, um, Mandela wasn't the first who said it. Uh, there's been many other variations, but um, I like his wording. He said, uh, Hatred is like drinking poison and then waiting for it to kill your enemy. Another way it's said is resentment is like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. So as in the song Revenge, when Wayne Coyne says, the more I try to hurt you, it's like the more poison I drink, the more it hurts me. So today's psychedelic spirit will be about a a little bit more of a simple topic than the heavy ones I did, like, you know, human consciousness and death. Though this one gets a little heavy, they all do. And I know last week's got a little political. This one, I will completely avoid politics. Last week was um, the last one I'd really like to talk politics. I, I you know, I thought it was an important episode. Um, I think that, you know, this is all about, uh, this is supposed to be the psychedelic reconnecting with the sacred, but also it's it's almost like a way to make a, I want to, things that I've read that I think we can do better as a, as humans. And I think the mind parasites, were, was this, there was something in there I really had to talk about. But um, all in all, I don't think politics and spirituality should be mixed. So I will try to avoid that from, from now on. Um, it might be hard as the, you know this country keeps getting more and more divided. We might have to talk about it, but that doesn't mean I have to take sides. I think we all need to realize whether we agree or disagree that we're in this together. But um, today's podcast will be about forgiveness, mercy, letting go of resentment. Now, this is a tough topic for some and lighter for others because it's relative to the things you've been through, your, your story. So I'm going to start with my story. So I never knew my real father, but my mother married my stepdad when I was an infant. So I've always called him dad. He's always been my dad. And uh, my parents sat me down when I was very young to tell me that my my dad wasn't my real father. He, their pastor had recommended not waiting till I was older because he suggested that if I found out later on in life that it would be a lot harder to deal with. Like All advice in my home growing up came from the church. But I don't think the pastor was wrong because at that young age, I didn't really know what real meant. But somehow I understood enough not to question it. So never in my life was there a moment when it broke my heart or shattered my world. I just grew up knowing it. Also, my dad was an alcoholic and a mean alcoholic. So I think that the news that he wasn't my real dad may have been a relief at the time. Though I'm not sure because I was too young to really remember. 
I remember I started feeling, um, I remember I started feeling this abandonment by my real father when I was young, especially when things got bad with my dad at home. You know, when, like when I was 11, I stopped being interested in sports and I got into music. I remember first, uh, first band that changed my life when I was 11 was Green Day. Dookie had came out, that album. Um, it was the song Basket Case, you know, do you have the time to listen to me whine? And it just grabbed me and I was like, I want to play the guitar. And, um, and, you know, and I remember I went to my mom and I was like, mom, I want to play the guitar. And she uh, went up in the attic and pulled down this guitar. She's like, I'll get it strong. She had a guitar. I didn't know she had ever played and she got it strong. And she taught me my first song, Puff the Magic Dragon. And, um, so I took the chord she taught me that song with. I didn't even understand that song at all. You know, I was like, I got to write punk music or what I thought was punk music, you know, Green Day, whatever. But then, you know, I got started getting into Offspring and then I got into Nirvana. And, um, you know, Kurt Cobain had shot himself when I was 11. And, um, and I got into his music probably about 12. And I remember being at my friend's house and we're listening to Nirvana. And he's like, my dad doesn't like Nirvana. And I was like, why doesn't? Because his dad was cool, like played guitar and liked a lot of the bands we liked. I was like, why doesn't your dad like Nirvana? He's like, well, he doesn't like mind the music. He just doesn't like what Kurt Cobain did to himself. And I was like, well, what did Kurt Cobain do to himself? I had no idea. And um, and he told me, and I remember being blown away. And it wasn't like a, like I wasn't like, it wasn't like an awful thing for me to, to hear that. It was more like I, I started romanticizing depression and the pain that he was feeling and I'd hear it in the music and so I believe that I, I felt abandoned by my real father partly if not completely because I began I began to make it a part of my identity you know um, I mean how could I have been abandoned my real dad never knew me not the me that's become my my identity with a personality he never knew me so how could he have abandoned me? He abandoned my mother's pregnancy and didn't look back. He abandoned my mom. But we, we tend to take things personally when they're not. Like, I think about things in my life now, you know, if, if you're driving down the road and someone flips you off and you just, you, you get mad, you take it personally. But how could that be personal? That person doesn't know you. What they were flipping off is what you were doing. Maybe you were driving too slow. So they could be flipping off any of the millions of people in the world that are driving too slow. It just happened to be you, really. And that says more about them. It says more about what they're going through than about anything to attack you. Um, I remember listening to Duncan Trussell was talking about that when people are angry and and you you are have a reaction or you have an interaction with them, that what you're experiencing are the echoes of people's own problems, their own unconsciousness. So anyway... Um, so when I say my dad from here on out, I'm talking about the man who raised me. He was an alcoholic, and he'd been up through a lot, a, a very abusive childhood himself. And he was, wasn't ready, ready to be a father, especially to a child that wasn't his. So we had a lot of rifts, ups and downs. And by the end, my dad and I quit talking, for the most part. I moved out when I was 18, and we had little to no relationship. Um, you know, I was unable to forgive him for a long time. I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina from, you know, because I grew up in Gastonia, so I moved to Charlotte and I lived there 
from the time I was 20 in 2003 until I moved to Florida in 2010. And I had a tenuous relationship with my family and almost none with my dad. My first act of forgiving my dad came when I, when I first moved to Florida. I, I had a suggestion from a friend and I read A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And I'm, I'm going to read an excerpt. Resentment means to feel bitter, indignant, aggrieved, or offended. You resent other people's greed, their dishonesty, their lack of integrity, what they are doing, what they did in the past, what they said, what they failed to do, what they should or shouldn't have done. The ego loves it. Instead of overlooking unconsciousness in others, you make it into their identity. Who is doing that? The unconsciousness in you, the ego. Sometimes the fault that you perceive in others isn't even there. It is a total misinterpretation, a projection by a mind conditioned to see enemies and to make itself right or superior. At other times, the fault may be there, but by focusing on it, sometimes to the exclusion of everything else, you amplify it. And what you react to in another, you strengthen in yourself. Non-reaction to the ego in others is one of the most effective ways, not only of going beyond ego in yourself, but also of dissolving the collective human ego. He says a lot in the book, in his first book, Power of Now, um, he, said, he talks about being in the moment and not letting the past affect the present. And it was when I was reading Eckhart Tolle's books that I realized that I had to let the past go, remove it from my story. It's not who I am. What I do now is who I am. So I, I forgave my father right then, right then and there. But I did it for me, not for him. I didn't make a phone call. I just forgave and moved on. So it was not too long after that, he and my mother came down to visit. It was the first time I'd really talked to him in years, other than, you know, us at family gatherings, just like, hey, how you doing, hey? Um, you know, and we hadn't slept under the same roof since I'd lived at home. As soon as they arrived, he said he was having chest problems, um, some kind of, I thought he had some kind of pneumonia brewing up or something, and he was looking for a flight out. And um, I, I think he was kind of having a panic attack, you know, staying under my roof. Uh, but, I, you know, I told him, I said, I, I hate to see you leave. I was like, hold up, I'm looking for the plane. Let's, you came all the way down here. Let's at least go grab lunch. And I'm sorry you're not feeling well. Let's grab lunch. And then after that, you know, or during lunch, we can look for flights. You know, you can get out of here, but let's at least have lunch. So he agreed. We went out and had lunch. And um, I bought him a beer. We sat and we talked and we caught up. And it was the first time we, we really talked. And, and he was having a good time. And he ended up staying the whole weekend. And I think that that trip, I think that's where our father and son relationship began, at least for me as an adult. So also, I had a friend in Florida with a similar upbringing. She didn't know her real father and had lived with an abusive stepdad. So one day she gets a call that her stepdad was on his deathbed. He'd been a heavy smoker and um, was dying of lung cancer. My friend had, had some things about the way he treated her and her mom that she felt she had to say before he passed. She had to get it off her chest. And 
So she went and visited him at the hospital, and she said her piece. And I asked her afterward how it went, and she said he was kind and apologized, but also he said, you know, you seem only to remember the bad. Like, we had a lot of good times, too. A lot of family trips, a lot of laughs. We did a, we did a lot of fun things. And when she told me this, it made me look at my own past, my own story. Was I remembering only the bad? And I began thinking of, of you know, things from my past, tossing the football with my dad, him telling jokes, the family laughing, taking us to the pool and the video store. You know, he worked full-time at a job for Duke Power welding, and I'm sure he hated it. Sometimes he was working in smokestacks that were over 100 degrees, you know, for all day, all day long, and he'd work that job five days a week. And he, he did all that to make just enough money to support the family. You know, we always had a roof over our head, medical care, food in the cupboard. We always had our Christmas. We always had our birthday. And um, you know, sure, there were times, you know, he was drunk and things got bad. But those things were all I chose to think about when I thought about my childhood. So when I began thinking about these things, I, I began seeing my childhood as something not as dark. Honestly, a childhood that really wasn't that bad. You know, and I also remember hearing, you know, uh, his sister had told my grandmother about his childhood and, and their childhood and how bad it had been growing up in their home um, at times and that my father being the oldest, he got it the worst. And, what, you know, when I started understanding my dad and his childhood and the fact that he wasn't ready to be a dad, you know, not after the abuse he'd suffered, I came full circle and not, I'd not only been forgiven my father, and like I say, it was a, a chain of events that led to forgiveness, but first forgiving him for me, not even calling him and saying, I forgive you or any of that. I don't even know if he would understand or remember some of the things that he'd done, but um, none of that mattered. It was just letting it go felt such a, lifted such a weight off of me. And, you know, I... I just I feel it feels really good to know that I've I've come around to not just forgiving my dad but to, to say I can say I love my dad. And I know that forgiveness you know other people forgiving the people that have hurt them who have experienced things far worse like sexual abuse or sociopathic abuse from a husband or a wife forgiveness may never be possible. And I can't say that well you should you should fight through it. Because I, 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 I should say, because I don't understand what it's like to go through some of those things. And some of that, that's, those things might be just too hard to even relive and think about. But I do think that if they're, if they're weighing you down, then they're in there. And I think the best thing you can do is to forgive. And that doesn't mean, again, doesn't mean reaching out. It means forgiving for you. And like, like when I first started and I began to forgive, you can just accept the past. That, that's what forgiveness can be. Because you can't bury it, the past. You can't run from it or pretend it didn't happen. So sometimes to forgive is just to simply accept. Accept it as part of your past. But deny it as anything you have to keep in the present. So the last part of this week's Psychedelic Spirit, I want to talk about mercy. In Anne Lamott's book, Hallelujah Anyway, she talks about having mercy on ourselves. 
we are always so hard on ourselves. We must learn not only to forgive others, but we must learn to forgive ourselves. We've all done things we regret. And we must have mercy and accept our past, accept the things others have done, but more importantly, accept the way the ways that we've reacted to these things. Like, so if like a few examples, if there was like a bully at school, you know, and you know, we don't know what the bully's going through, right? We don't know what's going on. Maybe he has a mom that never comes home. When she does, she so, shows up with a black eye from one of her boyfriends and she's on drugs and he has no control at home and it's tearing him up inside. So he takes it out on someone smaller than him at school, someone he can control. And um, if you, you know, if you were that child in a situation that was bullied, put it behind you. Have mercy. I mean, unless you're, if you're currently being bullied, that's different. You have to get out of those situations, obviously. We, you know, we have to make sure that people aren't getting bullied and stuff like that. I'm not saying that we should accept the present if things like that are happening. But if it's in the past and it's already happened, we have to accept it. And having mercy for the people that have hurt us is, is a great way to help. But also, having mercy for ourselves. And that could mean that you were the bully. Maybe you, you know, you were, or maybe not even a bully, but maybe you were mean to somebody or said something to somebody who didn't deserve it. And, and you feel really bad about this. Have mercy on yourself. Understand that we are all human and we all make mistakes. Don't be afraid to admit when you're wrong. And don't be afraid to ask people for forgiveness, to let them know that you realize you were wrong. And, um, and another thing about like if you like, forgiving ourselves is there's another phenomenon that I want to talk about that happens in psychology where people who weren't the bully, they were the bullied or the abused, but they hold themselves responsible and you have to have mercy on yourself. So this phenomenon happens. Um, so say, you know, there's a child being abused. Say a mother is very abusive to a child and, and hitting her and locking her in a room. Well, the child, will, some, some children will convince themselves that this is their fault, their own fault. Even though clearly this is, this is nothing they could possibly deserve. They will convince themselves that they deserve it because they have no control over a psychotic parent. And having no control over a horrible situation is awful. But... If the kid turns the blame from the parent to themselves, something they did wrong or something they are not doing right, it becomes something they feel like they can fix. They can gain control back. Even if the control that they gain is only an illusion. And then they take that mentality of everything being something they can fix. They can control as long as it's all on them. They put the weight of the world on their shoulders and it gets heavy. No one can hold that weight. No one can hold that kind of weight. So if, if, you're, if you're holding on too much from your past, forgive yourself. Have mercy on yourself. Accept what has happened. I'm going to quote the movie Benjamin Button. It's the movie where Brad Pitt plays a man who ages backwards. He was born an old, wrinkled baby, and his father abandons him. His dad was never there for him, and he has a hard life. When his father's sick and doesn't have long to live, 
he takes his father out to the water and sits with him and, and they sit in peace. And he just enjoys a moment with his dad. And he says about it, you can be as mad as a mad dog at the way things went. You can swear, curse the fates. But when it comes to the end, you have to let go. I think that says a lot. That what's done is done. But the present moment, we can still exist here in peace if we let it go. So that's it for this week's Sunday's Psychedelic Spirit. Let's live in the moment, not in the past. Treat yourself with mercy. You will find it easier to treat others with mercy. And it will spread. Have a great week, month, year, life. I love you all. Peace out.